When I say the word leader or leadership, what comes to mind? Or maybe more importantly, who comes to mind? Many of us have had that one great leader that inspires our confidence and trust. But the question is, what makes a great leader? Hello everyone and welcome to episode 86 as the Resilience Think Tank presents the Resilient Journey podcast. I'm your host Mark Hoffman and today I'm joined by four individuals who have come on the podcast to talk about leadership. I'm joined by Sean Van Slyke, Steve Strout, Alexandra Hoffman, and Tina Klaskala as we talk about the qualities of a leader, passion, and leading in male-dominated industries. We'll talk about the difference between a manager and a leader and why you need to never quit learning. Remember, The Resilience Journey is now ad-free, so give some love to The Resilience Think Tank. At the time of this recording, we have done 85 episodes of The Resilient Journey podcast, and I've spoken with a number of people about leadership and leadership skills. And one of my favorite was a conversation that I had with Sean Van Slyke, Sean is the CEO of SEMO Electric Cooperative, and I asked him one day about what leadership skills people who are members of small teams can demonstrate. We're talking about leadership here, and as the CEO and and general manager of your organization, you're expected to lead. But I'd like you to do some coaching. Talk to someone who maybe isn't a CEO. Maybe there's somebody, they're, they're not even a manager of people, but you can still be a leader. Uh, we find in the resilience industry, business continuity, crisis management, resilience, that a lot of times these are small teams, sometimes teams of one. So how would you encourage someone in a role like that to demonstrate leadership? Then there's six things that I've, I've kind of boiled everything down in my entire career, and maybe there's a book someday, but the six tips is just, one is be early. Uh, I'm amazed that people who want to be successful, they come in late. Uh, now, there's excuses for things or there's reasons that you're going to be late. For the most part, let people know that you're going to be early. They start to expecting that. And eventually they'll say, well, he's late. Something must really be wrong um, or, or whatever. And then smile. I, I'm amazed. The second one is smile. I'm amazed how people come in and they expect to lead people or lead, lead, an, lead an event and they're in a bad mood. Well, they may have burnt toast this morning, but they better wipe that burnt toast off and smile. And if you can't delegate it, let somebody else do it that day. The third one is act safe. And because when I'm in the utility business, but regardless if I'm in the utility business or if we were working at McDonald's or we're working at wherever it is, yeah. you have to have safe employees. You have to have people who encourage. And that means picking up the trash when nobody's looking. That means fixing the, the rug when you walk in and you see the rug rolled over by the door. Don't let somebody fall. Don't let and it's hard to be perfect again on all those things, but take a second and bend over and do that. And then the fourth one is move with purpose. Uh, you have to move with purpose. You have to have, in, you have to be intentional about what you're doing. I, I have that. a legal pad on my desk that I started ironically on January 1st of 2020, because I wanted to measure my time, see where I spend my time at. I've kept this legal pad going now up until today. And, 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 and even for me as a CEO, I've marked in blue marks, you'll see how many Zoom calls. The purple marks are how many nights in a hotel. Uh, it tells me where location, where I was that day. And it's different than my journal that I have. This is just a simple legal pad that sits on my desk to let me know where I'm spending my time. And then the fifth one I have is don't gossip. 
I've seen so many careers run because people start gossiping and they think that nobody's listening, mm-hmm. uh, but they may be telling something about somebody else that, that word gets around that so-and-so talked about so-and-so. I've seen a lot of careers run because of gossiping. And I encourage people, if you can't say it to their face, don't say it at all. If you're unwilling to walk up to, to, to Joe or Sally or, or, you know, Victoria, whoever that is, talk to them uh, and let them know how you feel about it because go after it. And then the sixth one, the last one is give thanks, have gratitude in your heart. Uh, we're so blessed. If we're listening to this podcast, if we're, we're actually on here, think about how blessed we are to even have that, um, yeah. have that opportunity. And I, I, I think give, give thanks and handwritten thank you notes and things that make a difference that separate yourself uh, will help you become a leader but you have to be intentional about those things and you have to repeat them over and over and over. Most people get almost there and then they stop. During the course of my conversation with Sean, he used two different terms. He talked about leader and manager. And I was curious about those two. You said at one point in your career that you were a manager, but not a leader. So explain the difference between those two terms and maybe those two approaches and talk a little bit about what turns someone into a leader. That's a, that's a long question. Let's see if I can do it justice. I, you know, early in my life, when I was in my early 20s, I was blessed enough to become a publisher, editor and publisher of a newspaper for a, a chain of newspapers. And I got the job because I was a, a, a photographer. I'd won some awards in college, but I dropped out of college with a 1.8 GPA. I later went back and finished blah, blah, blah. But but the point being, I took this job as a photographer. I didn't know how to write and I didn't know how to manage people or much less lead people. And I didn't delegate. And I quickly burnt myself out in three years trying to work 100 hours a week. I applied the dairy farm concept to just work all the time. Yeah. And my wife would, at the time, she would bring me, my wife, still my wife, but she would bring me clothes. She'd bring me food up to the office at the newspaper. And, and we had a, a baby at the time. And I missed my daughter's first three years of her life, basically, because I was working. And I don't have any memories of her as a baby. But what I learned through that experience, and I finally burnt out and just stopped and quit and went to do something else, is I didn't know how to delegate. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to delegate. I didn't know how to trust people. And I had to learn how to do that myself uh, in a hard way because uh, that, that's that's not the secret to being successful, but it's a big part of when you're leading people, you have to trust them and you have to delegate to them and you have to be clear. And even today, I'm still working on that. I I have a, a note right here on my desk that, that, that one of my direct reports writes down, clarity, clarity, clarity. Sean, be more clear with us. Tell us exactly what you want. Don't be vague. But I tend to be vague because I speak in parables or I te- uh, talk in stories because I want people to figure it out on their own. I don't always want to give them the answer. But there, yeah. are times, there are times, though, you have to be clear. Another favorite guest I had was Alexandra Hoffman. And I asked her what leadership skills those of us in the resilience industry should be demonstrating as part of our day-to-day operation. Ultimately, It's up to the practitioner, isn't it, to understand what matters to the organization. And I think you and I are on the same page with this. It starts with leadership qualities on the practitioner's part. So explain what leadership skills we as business continuity professionals should be able to demonstrate. Thank you very much for asking this question, Mark. I think, allow me to say, it's a brilliant way to put it. Last week, I was hosting a roundtable for my clients and prospects, uh, and that was exactly around uh, around this topic. 
So how do we make sure that we influence others, right? And what do we do to influence them better? Influence in, 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 a, in a good way, I would say, because obviously we can always have a positive and a negative influence. The idea here is to have a positive influence on others, right? Yep. And one of the attendees asked a very, very uh, direct and straightforward question, which was, you know what? When I start not having influence on my stakeholders, the only thing I'm asking myself is, what am I doing wrong? It's not what's wrong with them. It's yeah. what am I doing wrong so that they don't hear what I'm saying or they don't understand what I'm saying, right? So I think it's... Um, <laughs> Does it come back? Does it come come down to, to to leadership or just to basic human interaction skills? I'm I'm not sure, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh -huh. um, I think it comes down to having a lot of self awareness and being in this in this industry, right? In, including all of my peers right now, whether it's security, crisis management, business continuity, risk management. We have a duty to make sure that people hear um, what we're saying because I believe what we're doing is important. And um, yes, it comes down to making sure that we speak the same language. It comes down to making sure that we are able to build trust with them, um, which is a huge thing, right? People expect that because it's all about audit and compliance and because it's it's important to manage risks. It's important to put plans in place. It's important to train people about this topic. They think everyone will feel the same way. Sometimes we think, I've been guilty of this myself, right? It's important to me, so it should be important to everyone else. It's not. Yeah. It's not. So it's all about building relationships and trust beforehand. And I I, I, I had the same feedback from a lot of our peers um, at the beginning and in the midst of COVID, of course, mm -hmm. you know, some of them feeling left aside or um, actually being uh, being uh, laid off. I would say, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a tough question, but you know, what could I, what could they have done better? It, and it's all about you know we're talking about resilience here. It's all about this, right? When when I don't manage to influence my own stakeholders that's the first question i'm asking myself what i'm why what did i where did i fail one of the leadership skills that we can all demonstrate is the passion that we show for the role that we have and for the job that we are doing and for the industry that we're part of and i asked alexandra about that but the responsibility that our peers have um, they can't just sort of casually go about a job in business continuity, crisis management, information security, resilience. You can't be casual about it. There really is a need for the practitioners to be fully engaged and to be, yeah. or at least to be on the road to becoming an expert in their field. That's for sure. And, and some might argue that it will be true for any job, but especially mm. this job. If there's no passion, you might as well get out of it. It's just, it, it, it's what's at stake is too high for the companies we serve. Yeah. And it, I think it requires huge amount of energy to be good at it, to influence people the right way. And honestly, the, the best practitioners I've seen in my career have been the passionate ones, have been the one putting 
huge amount of energy into the work and the job. And um, of course, you know, working on their hard skills and soft skills as well. It's not only one thing and one um, special ingredient that we need, but if we, don't, if we don't have the passion and the energy in that job, I, yeah, I don't know how we can do it. And especially right now, you see the COVID in Ukraine and many companies are also facing lots of other things, right? So yeah. because it's never ending, yeah, the passion and energy is like, yeah, the number one thing to get, to have, and to work on, basically, I would say. Another leadership highlight of the resilient journey has been a conversation I had with C-suite whisperer Steve Strout. Steve is a senior executive who, at last count, has groomed 26 people to become members of C-suites and various organizations. And I asked him, how do we influence, as part of our leadership skills, those within the organization? It's, um, it's reasonably straightforward in most cases. There are times when there are either boards and or other C-suite um, members that have a, have a different view and you have to persuade them to your um, your position and or your way of thinking. And so you become a salesman and you become a, or a salesperson, I should say, and you become um, uh, adept at convincing others the importance of why what you're wanting to accomplish needs to be accomplished in the method that you're thinking, but also negotiation skills where you'll never get a hundred percent of what you've asked for. So how do you negotiate with either the CFO, um, you know, COO, so that you can still get things delivered, still progress, demonstrate um, successes, because the biggest benefit to a success is another success. And so once you build, start building track records, having the capability to, to deliver on a consistent basis, then people that really builds the trust, then people really respond in kind and go, gee, you've been able to do all of this, help me get better at what I'm looking for as well. So it's uh, influencing through maybe starting off with some small wins and then building on the momentum, gaining followers, building allies within the organization. In this case, it's just higher up within the organization. Yeah, and, and, but also everywhere, right? Because you never, you can't, you can't say, gee, I only work with the C-levels or C-levels minus one, the BPs or senior BPs. Um, you have to make sure that um, your sphere of influence and your sphere of um, network is as vast as you can get away with. Um, I worked at one organization where, you know, we challenged people to go meet, you know, 10 new people a month in the organization that you wouldn't normally come across just to build that network and build that relationship. So let's say maybe you're interested in someday becoming a member of the C-suite. I ask Steve what attributes he thinks are necessary for candidates of those roles. 
what are some characteristics you'd be looking for, for, for someone to advance to that kind of level? The desire to continuously learn wow. is, is the absolute key one for me. And that is, you know, when you think you know it all, or you've pretty much seen it all, um, you're probably not going to be successful in the next layer up. Um, you have to be, and I don't mean humble, and uh, although that helps, I think, but that servant leadership kind of model of I'm continuously learning. I'm I'm okay with being comfortable, not being um, the owner of all of the information, and that I need to be able to share it. And I need people um, to share with me what they know. And for me, that is the key thing that will determine whether or not they're successful. I want to shift to a phrase that I like to use. And I think a lot of times people in my industry are um, nervous or afraid to do it. And you talked about it at the C-suite, being able to negotiate, being able to influence, and being able to get your point of view across. And for me, I use the term coach up, a situation where someone can effectively train people higher than themselves. um, And maybe in my case, as a resilience professional, explaining to the CEO or the CFO why a certain investment matters or uh, why we need to do a certain practice and things like that, particularly if it costs money. So how can someone like me or or my colleagues coach up effectively? It's a great term. I love that term. I'm going to steal that term. Um, (laughs) It is, I mean, that's realistically what it is. And it's, it's how do I help educate, you know, the people that are in roles that, are uh, higher theoretically in in the um, in the organizational structure, you know whether it's a board member, whether it's a C-suite, whether it's a VP, whether it's a director, and I'm a manager. Having the ability to coach them into what again, if I'm the subject matter expert and and. I think that I am at this particular topic, then I need to have the ability to go to that next level person and sit down and have a conversation of here's the things that I would be looking for, you know, in your, in your shoes, am I right? Am I wrong, et cetera. So that you do have that ability to start the conversations and be able to, um, have a respectful and professional uh, conversation at whatever the topic is so that the, the person you're having those with understands you really are the subject matter expert and that you aren't protecting all of that data and that you aren't doing that just so that I can't fire you or you know, whatever. I mean, over the years, I've seen all kinds of things where it's, it's you know, this horde of information in individuals' heads. And you can't do that in today's environment. One of the friends of the Resilience Think Tank is resilience professional Tina Klaskala, who happens to provide some leadership 
in a very male-dominated industry. And I asked her about it in the aerospace and in the power generation industry that it seems to me that these are male-dominated industries. And you are in a leadership role when it comes to emergency management. So talk about some of the challenges that you faced in that setting and what you have done to overcome them and to be successful. Sure. I mean, that's an excellent question and you're not wrong in your statements. So I'm going to try and answer this in a couple different parts um, just to express some thoughts fully. So my advice for women, first off, is to make it a strength, right? I think it's time to flip the script for women in resilience. We do have unique abilities and those should be harnessed and they should really be pushing us up front. Because the paradigm for transformational leadership is shifting. Soft skills provide a real competitive edge for companies. And I have seen across my past three companies that those have been included into leadership competencies. Soft skills are a big deal. And those are just a natural um, kind of strength that women harness. For myself, just to be candid for a moment, and I mean this as a genderless statement, Mark, I know you <laughs> when I say this, there's no shortage of egos out there and not being intimidated is a skill. To help build your confidence, I would say, and this is for anyone, know your why, right? Be able to say why you are passionate and get very comfortable with it. You need to be committed and be tenacious. I believe that for women in this field, especially, we need a brand message that's polished enough for our leadership And then it's digestible enough to share with a true beginner, you know, somebody who's just getting started. So we don't use the jargon and it's very tangible. Business continuity and crisis management do have standards, but they remain as much an art as a practice, right? It's so important as a practitioner to stay true to your own style, We don't have to show up to trainings and exercises in this kind of robotic delivery box checking kind of form. You have to find out how you're comfortable and really embrace it. It's also important to remember that everybody has quirks and it's okay to show up as your authentic self. I have to remind myself of this as a daily basis, on a daily basis, right? It's my responsibility to show up as the intelligent, funny, sometimes awkward, wonderful energy that I am. And I think it's beneficial for people to, you know, embrace that, show up imperfect, and that's okay. As a matter of fact, the best statement that I've heard about, you know, that X factor quality that just makes somebody, you know, a lightning rod, you want to be around them. It's not just our personality, it's humility. It's knowing that we always have something to learn. We should always be teachable and we need to stay out of rooms where we're at risk of being the smartest person in there, right? So lastly, I'm going to say get mentors because no matter what industry I have been in, that has been my saving grace. And I know you've heard it before, but get yourself some mentors. Don't be shy about networking, about collaborating. Every time you transition in your career, you want to seek out a couple like-minded people that you just naturally connect with and build some trust. It can really be that easy. And they might come from formal or informal relationships. 
You want to maintain them within your industry, within your sector, and within your company across different corporate functions. Because believe me, you're going to have questions, especially when you're working something that happens on a blue sky day, right? You're going to have those questions. And mentors have been invaluable to me on my journey. And they certainly know who they are, but a special shout out and thank you to those who have graced and influenced my path over these years. The Resilience Think Tank is dedicating its efforts to exploring the theme of leadership and resilience here in the second quarter of 2023. We're excited to share a range of valuable content with you. Obviously, we've just heard from four very interesting guests on the matter of leadership here on the Resilient Journey podcast. We have blog posts and a number of ways that we can communicate with you about leadership in resilience. If you have a story to share, if you'd like to talk to us about ways to collaborate, we would love to hear from you. As a leader, what's the best advice you've received? What advice would you give to new leaders? And we're also interested in hearing about your own personal leadership lessons, your stories, and your successes. I want to thank Sean Van Slyke, Steve Strout, Alexandra Hoffman, and Tina Klaskala for rejoining me again to talk to us about leadership and the skills and attributes of a leader. I have a very exciting guest lined up for next week. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet, but this is one you will not want to miss as we continue to talk about leadership. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.